Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Fantastic. Thanks, Ange. Good morning, church. How are we this morning? It's so good to see you all. Thank you for coming out this morning. Uh, It's good to be together. Um, Charlie and I and Bear are doing well. He's currently making a beeline for the stage, but let's see if he makes it. Um, And if you're online, we want to say thank you for joining us today. Uh, We love having you with us and also podcast people. Welcome as well. Charlie and I have been on a little bit of annual leave and we had some great family time together. Got to spend some time with my parents as well, which is great for the grandparents to spend time with a grandkid. And they had some good times. And I heard that my dad spoke a couple of weeks ago here. How was that? Was that good? Yeah, he had a great time. Really enjoyed that, uh, which is great as well. But we, we've been doing well. We've, we went down the coast. We went to Canberra for a couple of days. You know, when you're younger, Canberra is the boring excursion. <laughs> Parliament House and all that stuff. And then when you're older, you go there for fun. And you know you're older because it's like, let's go to Parliament House. Yeah, high five. <laughs> so we done that one day. And um, no, it's good. It's autumn, obviously, there like it is here. And the leaves are changing colour. And it's very pretty. Thanks. Thank you. So it was good. It was good. Good to be there. Bear went down his first slippery slide and first park all that type of stuff, all the firsts, and he is currently mama, dada, we think, and crawling and talking. You might hear him trying to babble through the service today. He's, yep, there he is, yep. So, but he is, he's amazing, parenthood, just loving parenthood, and bears just the, the greatest joy to our hearts. He's just an amazing little boy. And he's quite hilarious. He's very funny. Um, and I think he knows he's funny because he does stuff and then he laughs at himself, which at 13 months I think is pretty, pretty great. Cool. All right. Should we try and do a joke? Okay, why not? All right, all right, all right, all right. I thought about should I stop doing it, you know, coming back, but I don't know. For some people, it's a highlight of the service, as bad as it is. So, all right. <laughs> a man died and went to heaven. He was met at the pearly gates by St. Peter, who led him down the golden streets. They passed stately homes and beautiful mansions until they came to the end of the street and they stopped in front of a rundown cabin. The man asked St. Peter why he got a hut when there were so many mansions he could live in. And St. Peter replied, I did the best with the money you sent us. (laughs) That was quite good. (laughs) Store up for yourself riches in heaven. Where moth and rust cannot destroy. 
I bought a motorbike. Much, I mean, that's news to the parent, uh, grandparents. Kathy is not going to be happy about that. It's not the dream bike, but it's a bike. And it's not a postie, but it's better than a postie. So it's not here yet, but... Yeah, yeah, a Wee 50, yeah. If you have an iPhone, why don't you get it out? Or maybe Androids might have this. And I, and I want you to get the compass out on your phone. If you have a compass, maybe you don't even know if you have a compass. If you don't have a smartphone, this is an iPhone, and here is a, can you see... This is a compass. Does anyone know which way the church is facing today? The church is facing Norwest, if you didn't know that. Norwest is that way. Right now I'm facing east, unless my compass is wrong. South is that way. Is that different? Is mine off? Is mine not calibrated? It doesn't make a difference. Who's got a compass that's working? Yeah? Yeah, come on, let's compare notes. Oh, yeah, that's kind of... Yeah, no, that's, yeah, mine's different. 25 degrees out. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know in life, you live your life according to an internal compass? And if your compass is off, even by a few degrees, you will find yourself going down pathways that aren't God's path for you. Just as my compass was wrong, Rob's was more correct, 20 degrees, mine was off. If you live your life not honed into that internal compass, and I'm going to speak about the peace, the compass of peace, that inner knowing, that what happens is, is that you have all this noise and you have all these challenges and you have all these things in life, storms that can come up. But if your compass is set, then in the midst of the craziest storms, you know where you're going still. Because a plane, if you've caught a plane before, can go through crazy turbulence can have poor visibility, but if their instruments are accurate, then they'll still get to the destination that they were meant to get to. And this morning, we, we launched a month of salvations. We launched a month of believing God for people to come to Christ. But we have to start with our internal compass of peace. Today's message is actually called The Gift of Peace. Recently, I 
I had an 8.30 doctor's appointment and an 8.30 appointment went into a seven-hour ordeal. It was one of those things where you go in for a checkup, and before you know it, you're doing test after test after test. Nurses are looking concerned. Doctors are rushing you through. And I found myself in the waiting room having to really search deep for that peace in my heart. In the midst of the storm, the emotion, the uncertainty, the out-of-control nature of what was happening, I sat there and I actually, it was part of the day I was getting an ultrasound and the person doing the ultrasound said I need to leave and for a few minutes and he left the room and for 20 minutes I laid there on the, on the bed and you're, it's amazing in that moment how many water stains you notice on the roof <laughs> and secondly where your mind goes when something is out of your control what becomes important, what is actually important when there is uncertainty presented to you. Long story short, my tests have come back clear, which is great, and I'm thankful for that. But the 24 hours I had after that 8.30 appointment for our family were very, very stormy, very emotional, very, what's happening? Is there a major issue? Am I going to see my son grow up? Those types of thoughts enter into your heart and you find yourself in this storm of emotion trying to search for peace. And I sat there in the waiting room going, what's happening? It's not a good sign when the nurses look concerned. And I sat there going, Holy Spirit, help me find your peace. Literally, this is my prayer. I need right now, I don't need to find distraction. I don't need to, you know, that's what we do. We distract ourselves. <laughs> and that can be okay for a short period. But ultimately, I was saying to myself and in my spirit, I need to find the compass of peace. Is it going to be okay? Now, anyone in the room who has faced any type of medical situation like that, you know what I'm talking about. And anybody who's had any type of situation in life where it is something that happens out of your control, you then have a choice, don't you? The choice is, do I freak out, stress out, go down rabbit holes, try and figure it out and freak myself out more? Or do I settle my spirit and say, Holy Spirit, where are you in the midst of the storm? And so I wrote this message in the waiting room. <laughs> The waiting room of uncertainty, of not knowing what was going to happen, of not knowing what that day or the following days might bring. And so I pray today's message impacts your heart because it's birthed out of a testimony of having to anchor myself in the midst of something completely out of my control. And I, if I look back at that ultrasound moment in particular. And it's never good when the ultrasound person leaves the room and brings their boss back with them and has discussions in front of you. It's never good when they leave you there for 20 minutes and don't say anything. 
you think, what, this is not very, very good. And I thought, laid there going, Holy Spirit, I need your peace. And looking back deep down, deep, 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 and sometimes his peace is like this. It is so quiet. It is so deep. You have to really focus your heart in the midst of the noise to be able to discern where is the peace of God. What is the peace of God? The peace of God is this. It is a knowing. That's the best way to describe it. I just know. I just know it's going to be okay, or I just know God's in control, or I just know he is faithful, or whatever it might be. And it's just, but it takes some time to swim down to the place where you find that anchor of peace. You know, we live in a society where peace is rare. Do you know that? Do you know the YouVersion app on your phone, if you have an iPhone, or a, a, a smartphone, most of you would have version. If you don't know what that is, that's a Bible app that you can read on your iPad or your phone, different translations, different studies, amazing resource. It's been downloaded, I think, up to it's either 500 million times or a billion times, an amazing amount. Do you know that the most highlighted verse in all of version? is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. And I'm just, sorry for the slides, guys, but I'm just going to skip over to that. Philippians chapter 4, why don't you turn there with me? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. This is the most highlighted verse. The most highlighted verse isn't, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Although that's a powerful verse. It isn't John 3, 16. Although that's a powerful verse. It's Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. This is what our generation is looking for. It says this, Do not be anxious about anything. Notice that. What an absolute statement. Don't be anxious about anything. It doesn't matter what is happening. Don't be anxious. But in every situation, by prayer and petition... Here's the key. With thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. Why don't you say peace? The peace of God, which transcends your understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We live in this intellectual world where we we have so much access to information. You just got to Google anything and you can get information on anything pretty much. And what happens is, is that we rely on information often instead of relying on his peace. We have to come back to a peace which transcends our understanding and our logic even. Now, if you're in the room and you struggle with any type of anxiety, this is a message you need to let resonate deep within your soul. This isn't just another message. We live in an epidemic of anxiety. Our society is living in an epidemic of worry, of anxiety, of stress. And it's because 
our society has not understood the rest that comes with his peace. So if you're in the room and this is a struggle for you, I want you to know that today the gift of God to you is his peace. And it's not a flippant thing. It's not a light thing. It's not a, that's a great thing, high five, Benaiah, That's This is a foundational thing. It's as foundational as the ground I'm walking on. Why? Because we are not called to carry anxiety. We become anxious when we lose control. Yeah? When it's out of my hands, I can't control it, so I'm now going to worry. This is where trust changes everything. But you know that trust starts when our control ends. Good preaching, Benai, that's amazing. God, we trust you. We sing songs about it, we pray about it, we say it to each other. But then something happens in my life and I lose control and my first response often is I start getting stressed. I get anxious. I need to go see the doctor. I need to go see some. And it's like you need to understand there is a gift of peace. Listen, I know that some things take a process. Healing takes process. It takes time. Trauma takes time to heal. It takes help. You need help. You need people to walk with you. And that's part of the journey. Scars take time to heal. Well, wounds take time to heal to become scars. But our foundation must be his peace. How's your compass going this morning? If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14, verse 27. John 14, verse 27. It says this. It says, it says peace I leave with you. This is Jesus speaking. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. How amazing is that? Our Lord Jesus says to us, I give you peace. We must understand that peace is not a feeling, it's a person. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, this is what it says. For, us, uh, for, for to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. <laughs> we get confused often because, and I, and I hear this with, especially younger Christians as they're learning to navigate peace. They think that if their emotions line up, if their feelings line up with something, then they must have peace. But that's not peace. Emotion is not peace. Peace is Philippians 4, 6 and 7. It is a knowing which trans, uh, it goes past your mind. It is a knowing in your spirit. 
I can be in a situation where I am scared, I don't know what's happening, my emotions are going wild, but if I can understand peace, if I can find peace, then I can have a snooze in the storm. Again, Matthew chapter 8, if you've got your Bibles, Matthew 8 verse 23. I love this story, Matthew 8 23. Here's a great example of peace in the midst of a storm. It says in Matthew 8, 23, sorry, it says, Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. And suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You would have heard me maybe say this before. But the power of peace, God's peace, is this. It takes a scary storm and turns it into a rocking sleep aid. The very storm which was freaking out the disciples, causing them to be afraid of their very lives or losing their lives, was the same waves and the same storm that put Jesus to sleep. Andrew Motto will learn this soon and new mums know this. You you rock the baby. Often it'll put the baby to sleep. You get the chair that has them... The automatic sway, it's amazing. It puts the baby to sleep. When storms come, and this is a real storm. These disciples, some of them were fishermen, and they knew storms. They knew boats. This was their livelihood. They knew ships. They knew the structure of the ship. They knew the waves. They knew what the limit was. And even the professionals thought we're done for. And it's so easy in Scripture, isn't it, to read over stuff and go, oh, yeah, that's a nice story. It says that the waves were sweeping over the boat. (laughs) I've been on a couple of cruises in my life. I've never seen waves sweeping over the cruise ship. I mean, that'd be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? That's a pretty big storm. But no matter what size of the boat, if there were waves breaking over, it's going to make you a little bit... Not sure. Keeping in mind, these boats back then were very different to the boats we have today. And so these disciples are freaking out. But it was a matter of peace. To the point where Jesus says, where's your faith? Why are you, why are you afraid? Educate me. What, what's going on? And it's a great example for us today. Because often... The storms will come, and often we have a choice. Will I rest through the storm, or will I freak out through the storm? (laughs) It is abnormal to rest in a storm. You know that? You are created with fight or flight in your body. Adrenaline. 
fight or flight, if a swarm of killer bees turns up to you while you're gardening, you don't fall asleep there, do you? You, know, you, you get out. We've got these wasps right now, and they are just surveying the back porch. I've watched them for a week now, and they just go up and down. There's like 10 of them looking, I think, for their next nest. And I said to Charlotte, I'm going to have to do the spray and run. Spray from a distance and run like a little, ah, get, shut the door. And they, and they, I think wasps are smart. I, I think they'll remember me. I've got to deal with this. I even said to Charlotte, why don't we get two spray cans? We both run like this. And then we can both go. When it comes to the storm, it's abnormal for you naturally to rest but the kingdom is not about normal you know that well when I say normal the world normal and you've got to remember church we've got to remember this and, and remind each other of this just because it's common in society does not mean it's normal you know that just because statistically it's the way it is does not mean it's God's normal it does not mean it's God's best. Our normal, according to the scripture, is to pray on earth as it is in heaven. That's our normal. <laughs> is there stress in heaven? No. Was your body built for long-term stress? No. Your body will fall apart if you carry stress for too long. You weren't created for it. You were created for rest. Productivity and rest. Therefore, we have to dig deep in our spirit and become great at being people of peace, knowing that peace is a person, the Prince of Peace. The closer we are to Christ, the more peace abides in us. And we have to understand something, that victory starts in peace. Your victory doesn't start when the test results say you're better. <laughs> that's the end of the victory. That's, that's you, that's, it starts when you get peace in the midst of the storm. Jesus was not sleeping because the waves had stopped. Yeah? He was sleeping because he had peace in the midst of a storm. And for the sake of the others, he calmed the waves. You see, we think that we have to have the victory because we have to finish, cross the finish line. But God says, no, no, if you find peace at the start of a journey, you're already a walking in victory. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. How amazing is that? Therefore, it's essential that we become people who can learn and discern the art of knowing his peace. Or on the flip side, his lack of peace. Have you ever had a situation where you think, I don't feel good in my spirit about that? Maybe God's trying to speak to you about his lack of peace in a situation. I remember when I was thinking of um, dating Charlie, and she's just with Bear outside. But I, I didn't have a good track record with with dating, and I, I, my confidence had been shot. And I had a friend say to me, he said, 
when it's the right person for you, look for two things. Look for peace and ease. He said, that's it. That's your compass when it comes to relationship. And it wasn't ease as in it has to be all completely easy. There'll still be challenges. But sometimes people say they have peace about relationships they're trying to build and it's just a mess. The fruit is just messy. And it's like, it's not, it's, you're trying to build something that's not working. Like, and so when Charlie came along, or when my eyes were opened to Charlie, I was really, really... Um, under a microscope type approach when it came to our relationship or potential relationship. Every time we'd hang out, I would go home and say, do I have peace and ease? Do I feel good in my spirit? And is it coming together? (laughs) And it became my compass throughout our dating and then throughout our engagement and now throughout... Our marriage is we look for peace and we look for an ease where God takes our burden, where he helps us, where there is a supernatural grace. But when we were dating, and when, especially those early days, every day I was strict in my heart. I was like, God, if I wake up the next day and I don't have that peace, she's not the one for me. And that's Okay. Just leave me, Holy Spirit. Help me. I, I'm dumb enough in myself. I need you to help me. Help me make the right decision. Like, help, literally, I just... And by his grace, he did. And now I'm married to an amazing girl and we have an amazing son because God was involved. And if you are single here or you're looking to get married, look for peace not how do I, are my emotions, are we, are we getting on today? That's important. But ultimately it's peace. Because even when we have a bad day, I still have peace that she's the one for me. And sometimes my emotions might not line up with that. But that's okay. Because I have peace in my heart. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 30, it says, By their fruits you will know them. So how do you distinguish between peace, his peace, and your emotions? Good question. Especially the young people here. Fruit. What is the fruit of that decision? I have peace about this new job. It means I have to work every Sunday, but I have peace about it. They take the job. Six months later, they're not in church. Twelve months later, they're living with their partner not walking with the Lord, not loving his house. But they had peace. Yeah. I have peace about this relationship. I think they're the, yeah, it, 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 they've only been a Christian for two weeks, but I have peace about it. Six months later, you're broken up. That new Christian's left the church. And the Christian who had peace has done more damage than good because they thought their emotion meant peace. We have to be great at distinguishing between our emotions and his peace. Because when we have that, our fruit will be godly fruit. And I've been a Christian my, pretty much my whole life. I, I remember when I was four years old, I made a decision to follow Christ. I remember the bunk bed, I remember the house, 
I remember the Noah's Ark story, and I remember the Holy Spirit in that moment. And I've watched many, 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 many people who profess Jesus whose fruit has been atrocious. And I come back to this scripture and go, by their fruit you will know people. That's judgmental. Yeah, by their fruit you will know them. I can say I'm an apple tree, I produce apples, but if I produce something bitter, if I produce something that's not kingdom, then maybe there's something else going on within me. How is your fruit? It's very quiet in here. Look at your fruit. Be a fruit picker. Be a fruit inspector. I used to work in a fruit shop. All from the age of 13 or 13, nine months, as soon as I could get my job, all the way through to 17, I worked at North Nara Fruit Market every Saturday and every Wednesday after school. I learned to be able to distinguish between good fruit and bad fruit. I'll give you a tip. Always dig down and get the fruit at the bottom because the old fruit gets put on the top. Don't know if you knew that, unless you want old fruit. We must be good. But it's a different sermon for a different time, but great fruit, you don't have to like push really hard to, to get fruit. You've got to be just abiding in the vine. <laughs> you got to, the more you abide in the vine, the more great fruit you'll produce. Is this okay this morning? Yeah? Okay. I remember um, when I finished school... And my dad said to me, I want you to get a job. He, well, he said, I advise you that if you feel called to ministry full time, before you do that, go get a job in the workplace, in, in society, so you can understand how the workplace works. And so I went out and I applied for jobs, as you do, as someone who's just left school. Got the paper every week, highlight, back then highlighted the different you know, job, the narrow news job section or whatever it was. And eventually I got offered two jobs. One was in real estate and one was in insurance. And I had a decision to make. And I knew it was the season for that, a season to work. And I, it's, it's, and I was blessed, but also it was tough because I had to decide. Here are two opportunities, and they were taking down two different paths, two, two different careers, and I remember I just had to come back to where is the peace of God? Yeah. And even as an 18-year-old, I remember just going, God, I need you to just leave me. I need you to give me peace. I need you to direct me. They both look good. There's probably more money in real estate. There's definitely more money in real estate. Maybe I should do that, but then I might have to work Sundays. I don't know if I want to do that. Probably not. God, where are you in that? Insurance. It sounds boring. Probably is boring. Is boring. <laughs> where is the peace of God? And eventually I just, both employees were offering, offering a job. I had to make a decision. And the peace of God, because they both look good on paper, the peace of God is what helped me make my decision, which was insurance. I was an insurance broker for three plus years. So if you have any insurance questions, don't ask me. I can't remember much, but... <laughs> It was a compass of peace. 
in the midst of... See, we don't just need peace when the storm is there. You need peace when you're on the hilltop. You need peace when God's given you an overflow. You need peace when it comes to wisdom of how do I, how do I re-sow? How do I bless others? How do I... Life isn't all about lack. Often life is about overflow. And God says, I'm going to bring you into a season. What happens when you have more than enough? Anyone want that season? I'll take some of that. The peace of God is just as important in the high season as it is in the low season. It says in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, it says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The key to peace, his peace, is to walk in intimacy with him. And it's to walk in a place of worship and thanksgiving. And by doing so, we walk in intimacy. And the more intimate you are with God, the more you know the heart of God, the more you understand his nature and the more you understand his peace. Peace isn't something if you say it a thousand times, you know, give me peace, give me peace. It's, it's more about knowing the Prince of Peace. Peace is the most amazing gift. And we come back full circle to the start where it was the most highlighted verse in the world right now is that people are trying to find peace. And I just think if you're a Christian here today, if you profess Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, we have to come back to our basic fundamentals. What do we believe and, then, and what do we value and, and what does God value and therefore how do we respond with what he's given us? When someone gives you an amazing gift, I'm talking about like an amazing, amazing gift. Often you want to try and share that gift with others. When you value something, what happens is you don't want to just keep it to yourself. I love our church family. I love the church. I've been in church my whole life. I'm going to finish in a couple of minutes. But I'm pretty black and white in my experience and what I'm seeing in the local church. We've got to be so careful that we don't become, like the scripture says, people who profess something but lack its power. We've got to be so guarded that we don't become great with just saying something but don't have the fruit to back up our confession. Yes, God, we believe in your peace, but then we have lives racked with anxiety. Yes, God, I believe in the gift of peace, the fact that peace makes me rested. True rest comes from true peace, which comes from true trust. That is enough to revive a city. Do you know that? Do you know that when we live in his peace, what happens is it causes us 
to be so free in our spirit. And when you understand the gift of peace, you can't help but give it away. And the Holy Spirit, help us get this moment. You know that a church won't ever impact a city until the church becomes, in their hearts, personally responsible for things like sharing his peace. We can meet as a church for 40 years, 50 years. We can have a nice time together. We can encourage each other. We can watch each other grow older, celebrate different milestones in people's lives. And that's all very precious. But we will never transform a city until we as a church, both individually and corporately, take responsibility when it comes to things like discipleship. I am convinced that a Christian who commits their hearts to discipling somebody else is a Christian who will change the world. Can I hear an amen? You know, it's true. Because if you change one person's world, you've just changed one person's world. I'm also convinced that a church who comes to church for themselves to be comfortable, even though their hearts might be one of, I just want to do the right thing and worship Jesus, if that's where it stops, they will never transform the society because the responsibility ends with, I just come to church. The pastor's job is to disciple everybody. No, that's not biblical. So we have to break it all down real simply. If we want to be a church that impacts the city, each of us need to make a decision. A decision that will cost. A decision that will cause us to be uncomfortable. And the decision is, will we take responsibility for discipling somebody else? Because, guys, I've been in church for 33 years. Well, 37 years nearly. There are hundreds of churches who are doing what we do every week, and it's beautiful. They pray for revival, but they won't disciple anybody, and so they just, nothing's going to change. Until we become a church of obedience. (laughs) The Great Commission, go and make disciples. Until we become responsible in our hearts for that commission, we will never impact our city. And we'll get to our Christmas event and we'll get to our Easter event and we'll be good and we might have a bit of growth from people moving to the area and you fair and we want that. But until we individually say, I'm going to take the gift of peace, you're struggling, you're stressed, you're, you're upset. The Prince of Peace is his name. Because the number one most highlighted verse in the world is the verse where people are trying to find peace. Oh, what's the need, Benaiah? What's the breakthrough? What's the key? We've got it. We've got it. But our challenge is comfort. Our challenge is coming to church and sitting in our, the seats we like and talking to the people we know. And what happens is we think we're changing the world 
but we're really just not. <laughs> and that's, there's no guilt in this, by the way. You can sense that. There's no condemnation in this. It's the heart of the Father, I believe. To say, Celebration Church, we have a decision. We must become good at gathering people for the banquet. We must become good at it. We must, be, we must learn the art of conversation. We must learn the art of how are you going. Yesterday I was at an event and I, was, I loved it and there was people who aren't church, in church there. I love chatting to unchurched people. The conversations are very similar to with church people. How are you going? What's your story? What was your career before you retired? Tell me about your life. Tell me about what God's doing. You know, not, not God, but tell me about your family. And the person is loved and valued and embraced because someone knows how to have a good conversation. See, those are keys. What did Jesus do? Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for dinner. <laughs> Matthew, let's hang out. You're a tax collector. Everyone hates you. I'm coming to your house for dinner as well. Make sure it's food that I like. I'm gluten intolerant. I'm vegan. Make sure. Now, Jesus wasn't vegan, no way. <laughs> Whoa, hello. Oh, heaven. Hello. Here we go. So, we have this response in our hearts this morning. This, this is more... Um, this would completely change our church if our regular people listen and respond in their hearts. The banquet is amazing and it's ready and God says, compel them to come in. Jesus says to his disciples, stop praying four more months till harvest. Stop waiting. Look, the harvest is ready. We can pray for 20 years, but unless we learn to disciple somebody well, we'll keep saying four more months till harvest. Four more months till harvest. Four more months till harvest. And Jesus is saying, Look at the fields, open your eyes, look. Look at society, look at the world, look at what's happening in the world, look at what's going on. Open your eyes. Comfortable Christians, open your eyes. Peace is not just for you. You are vessels. You are lights on a hill. You're not put under a, 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 a bucket. You stand shining his light Carry his hope. Believe in yourself. Believe in the grace of God on your life. Don't just think it's the pastor's job. That's old thinking. The pastor's job is to equip the church for what? The works of the ministry. If we become disciples of people and discipleship starts, let me break it down with a coffee. With your workmate, hey, can we go out for coffee? How are you going? How are the kids? How's your holiday coming up? What have you cooked lately? Tell me about your recipes. And then the workmate says to you one day, I'm struggling, I need your advice. And there's a moment where you can shine peace. 
shine light, shine hope. Because I love our church and I love the church, but until we take personal responsibility for Matthew 28, this month we can talk about salvation. And traditionally, this month it's the youth and young adults, and we go, yes, it's all of us. I spoke to someone yesterday, they would have been in their 70s, I reckon, and they're telling me about how they're in a band. I'm going to give him a plug. The band's called The Pirates. I remember. He told me they, they play once a year for an hour. Literally. And I said, I'd love to hear The Pirates play for that hour. They practice all year for one hour a year. But that, that precious person is just a youth with older skin. You know, I'm just a youth with older skin. You know that? I'm young at heart. Anyone else young at heart here? Hey, I might not be as wrinkle-free as I once was. My wife keeps telling me I have more and more grey hair every week. That might be part of it, but... In my heart, I'm young. I'm teachable, I'm open, I'm growing. I'm learning every day. And Charlie and I, whether we're pastoring or not, have made a commitment in our heart that we will always be disciples of people. We will always have people in our life that we take time to encourage, to invest into, to ask how they're going to invite around for a meal, all those types of things. That's who we are. We have made a decision when it comes to personal responsibility. And I encourage you that you can be the same. Discipleship doesn't mean necessarily you have to have a connect group, although that is a great way to do it. It starts with a coffee. And then every day you pray for that person. And in, in your head, they're your connect group. Jesus, I pray for them. I thank you for the call of God upon their life. I thank you that they are created in your image. And even though their life might not reflect yet you, that you are calling them to your heart. You are the gift of peace. And as we finish, my heart for you, church, is this. And for me is this, that we will become great at giving the gift of peace the compass of peace. It would be so scary to try and walk through life without any direction, aimlessly wandering around, getting hit from storm to storm, not really knowing what's happening or the purpose. Before GPS exists, there were those maps you had in your car and street signs. Before that existed, it was the stars. It was compass. We have this spiritual gift, the peace of God. How amazing is that? And in a moment, Pastor Joel's going to come up and he's going to finish the service. But <laughs> I'm just going to pray over us because I just want us as a church to, to hear the heart of the Father. When it comes to being a church which takes responsibility of discipling others, and sharing the peace of God. And in that, I'm going to pray, if you are struggling with his peace right now, hey, listen, I had that challenge. I know what it's like. 
when the noise is loud, to try and dig deep to find his peace. But when you find it, you find victory. (laughs) Because he is with you. He's the Prince of Peace. Why don't we close our eyes? Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Father, I just pray for anybody in this place or online or on podcast who needs a fresh revelation of your peace. Father, for anyone who's struggling with worry, with stress, with anxiety, with fear, I pray that you would come, Lord Jesus, and you would take those burdens. And if that's you in this place, just just in your heart, just picture yourself just handing it over. Hand over the worry. Hand over the stress. Hand over the uncertainty into the arms of a loving Father who is faithful. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. He is in control. He has it. He's got it. He goes ahead of you. Hand it over. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. If there's anyone in this place as well and you just know that you need to trust God more, in your heart, just say, I'm going to trust you more, Lord. I trust you above my understanding. I thank you that you are faithful. He is trustworthy. Let the gift of peace rest upon this place. And Father, I pray would be a church that takes the gift of peace and shares that gift with others. Give us the confidence. Give us the courage. Give us the discernment. Give us the wisdom, the open eyes to know when to speak and what to say. To be led by you, Holy Spirit. May we be a soul-winning church a church that changes the city because we take proactive responsibility of sharing your love and grace, not your judgment, not unkindness, but your love and grace to those who need it the most. And as you have your eyes closed, I just want to encourage you, if you in this place know that your heart is not close to God. If you know either you've drifted away or you've never made a decision for Christ, I just want to give you a moment just to respond in your heart and say, yep, that's me. I want to respond and make sure my heart is close to God. I want to make him my Lord and Savior or I want to return to that first love. If that's you in this place and you want to respond, just put your hand up where you are and say, that's me. 
I want to make sure that my heart is close. I want to make sure that I know God. Thank you, Jesus. Is he your number one? Is he your number one? If he's not, awesome over here. See that hand. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Awesome, that hand there too. Make him your number one. The Prince of Peace. That's his name. The love of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, bless this church community. Bless this church family. Set a fire in our hearts. They can't be quenched. Set a love in our hearts for you, which overwhelms us. May we not be a church of comfort, but may we be a church of revival. In Jesus' name. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.